you want to hit those switches for me, Noah? All right. Well, I am glad that you have all decided to join us today. Um, I want to thank you all for your participation last week. It was definitely something that was different in many respects, a little messy here and there, but I think that it was a good start. I really appreciate some of the feedback that I was able to get um, from you all as you've shared some different stories of how you're able to use what we did last Sunday this week as the Lord presented different opportunities. Um, and, and from my standpoint, it was really awesome to be able to see the mood shift throughout the Sunday from apprehensiveness and nervousness to one of excitement, of joy. Um, you know, thinking, oh, this, is, this isn't going to go well to, wow, look how the Spirit moved among the body. And it was just, it was amazing to be able to see that kind of thing. And, and you know, the goal, the direction that I've been sensing as I've been studying and preparing for this next time is to help us to be more equipped to move as a body. Um, to move from a place of comfort, a place of complacency, to a place that's more in line with the will of God. And I'm not saying that your life personally is not aligned with the will of God. But that as a church, many times we can get comfortable. We can get complacent in how we worship. And we want to make sure that we're to a point that when we come to church, it's not coming to just consume and see what I can get out of it for my own benefit, but rather live out what the applications are. Live out what we're reading. You know, many times we can come to church, hear a message, sing some songs, and think, well, that was nice. That was good. But what is the fruit that is coming out of why we gather as a body in terms of how we are being equipped, how we are building each other up? You know, many of us have different struggles in life, and we wonder what God wants us to do. You know, and, and we can get those clues on a Sunday. And I want to get us to move where we are acting on what those words are from the Lord in our life so that it can bear fruit rather than just that attitude of, it was nice, I'll see you next Sunday. You know, many times when we live our lives in a complacent way, it, it, it deteriorates our relationship with the Lord. And as we shift our series to focus on the what now, what do we do with this information that we've been going over the last couple years in our walk through what God has done and who God is? When we, when we shift that type of a question, our direction is going to be more towards a spirit-filled life and unpacking what that means, to live empowered by the Holy Spirit for him where our lives are directed by the Holy Spirit. And my prayer, my hope, is to draw us closer to the life that God wants us to be living as his disciples. So we're going to be going on a journey that's going to have some twists and turns in it. Now, I have a decent outline of passages that I want to cover, but I'm still uncertain in many ways of what the next turn is going to be. So for some of these plans, it's going to be week to week. Taken point this week. As I got to the end of my message, I realized this is way too long, and I had to cut it off and push it some of it towards the end of next week, or towards next week, I should say. So there's going to be that type of thing that goes on with these topics. 
Um, but you know, as we go through this, I'm excited for how the Spirit's going to move. In my time of study, it has been very fruitful. And there's been times that I've wanted to pull my hair out because of translations, because of commentaries, because of different views, trying to understand, trying to dig deeper. But hopefully th- we uh, will cover these topics in a way that is thorough. It's not going to be exhaustive by any means, um, but we'll do our best. Now, with that said, to start off, I want to spend a few weeks talking about the life of a believer a little bit. I mean, so many of us struggle with different things in our life. We have hang-ups of sin that still rule over us. We make poor decisions. We say things that are not edifying or building up or godly. We surround ourselves with things of this world. And we struggle to live in the way that God has intended. Then we get down on ourselves. We get negative. And as Paul says, I am the chief among you in all of this. Right? Through my study so far, I have identified several different areas where I, I know that I'm either quenching the Spirit or I'm refusing to obey the Spirit. And these are areas that as we go through this study that I know surrender needs to happen. So we're going to spend the next few weeks or, or months here talking about how to keep in step with the Spirit, how to walk with the Spirit. We're going to address some of the roles of the Spirit as well. So today we're going to be reading in Romans 12... 1 and 2. And again, it's difficult to know where to start when you want to go over five passages at the same time and you just don't have enough time to do that. So I figured we would start short today with a a small passage, short in terms of the length of the passage, but the length of the message, sorry, it's still probably going to be the same. Sorry, Russ. All right, so Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing, or that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Father, as we approach this text today, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear your truths. Help us with the understanding of these terms within here today. In your name I pray, amen. So I think that this is an often used passage. Many people know it pretty well, and it's powerful in all that it says. This morning I want to focus on just three things from this text. The first thing is how Paul appeals. He exhorts to the readers uh, to to present themselves as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, for that is their form of spiritual worship. In the Greek, if you were to literally translate it in a literal way, it would be this is our logical form of service. This is our rational form of service. This is an outgrowth of being saved, okay? So this is what the believers were supposed to do. You know, when you look at this part of the verse, I often dive into what it means to be a living sacrifice. What does it mean to be a sacrifice? How do we understand this in our contexts as believers? 
You know, when we break down this term, many times we'll go through the Bible and we think of these terms sacrifice and how sacrifices were in the Old Testament, right? You think of Abraham and Isaac. You think of how sacrifice is needed in all of the offerings to God as per the Levitical, Levitical code. Um, you think of how things were then offered for their sins for thanksgiving. You think of the Day of Atonement. You think of the job that the priests would do. How this was a part of their worship to God. Making sacrifices each day, showing their obedience to the law. Their love for God. For his mercy. Things were offered as sacrifices on behalf of their sins. Um, as, as a way to say thanks to God, as a way for peace with God, the different types of offerings. So we have that context in the Old Testament. But then, you know, with this being seen as possibly a work, just this is something I have to do every day, it became, it became very legalistic in many of the minds of the Israelites. And you began to see teachings crop up like what we read in our um, opener today for our call to worship in Psalm 51, but also in Psalm 40, it says, in sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So here, along with other similar passages in the Old Testament, you begin to get this deeper sense of what sacrifice means, this deeper sense of purpose for those who follow God, and that is to do his will. You know, when we think of this passage here in Psalm 40, obviously I think it makes our minds shift to the person of Jesus, and we go to the New Testament sense, and we look at what Jesus does on the cross. We look at what Jesus says um, that, you know, no greater love has this than a man who lays his life down for another. How he laid his life down to be a sacrifice. How his sacrifice pays for my sins. You know, today we have an understanding of soldiers or people in uniform who pay the ultimate sacrifice, who lay down their life for our protection, for our safety, for our freedom. So sacrifice seen in this way is a way that gives all of you. Ephesians 5 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, we think of the cross, we think of the book of Luke as we just read through that, we think of what Jesus has done, we think of his sacrifice and what is our response to that? Is our response, well, gee, thanks, that's pretty nice of you. Or is our response to be an imitator of what he has done? To be a sacrifice, just like our Lord and Savior. You know, sacrifice is an appeal to Christians that bids them to show that same kind of love to one another. The same kind of love that Jesus has shown them. A love that is ready to give up their life for another. God's type of love, the agape love. Do we love in that way? Do we understand sacrifice that way? Would we sacrifice ourselves in that way for another person? 
depending on the person maybe. Goes back to that question of who is my neighbor? Do we view sacrifice in that light? You know, a living sacrifice, living meaning continual, each day, active, present. A sacrifice that is holy and acceptable. You think of holy, it is set apart. It is um, righteous. It is the things of God. Acceptable. I mean, you look through the Old Testament and you see the different offerings, the different sacrifices that are acceptable to God. You think of Abel versus his brother Cain, whose is not, which shows us um, the heart behind the matter of sacrifice. The heart of sacrifice is surrounded by holiness. It is surrounded by doing the will of God, where it is pleasing to him. It is giving of the best. It is the first fruits. You know, Jesus' death gives us an entirely new meaning of sacrifice that we have to understand. With the result of his resurrection, the sending of his spirit, it opens up this new dimension of reality for us as believers that we get to enjoy. We are joined to him in his death and then raised to new life through the spirit. Where we get to serve God with joy, with passion, with fire, with glory. Sacrificing our selfish desires and the flesh in order to put on the righteousness of Christ. That is the way in which we are to live. But you know, when you think of the term sacrifice, it doesn't always sound joyful. It doesn't always bring out this passion or this energy of enjoyment. Because sacrifice means giving something up. Where our heart motives are then checked. Have you ever told your children that they have to make a pile of toys that are going to be given away to Goodwill? What are the ones that they want to give up? The broken ones, the dirty ones. Then let's say they want to give a new one, but you just got it for them, so uh, I don't really want you to give that one away yet. What's our heart motive when it comes to sacrifice? When we think of what it truly means to sacrifice, to give up what is precious, I think of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham who is ready to give up the promised son that God had promised him in order to be obedient and follow God through faith. I think of the widow who gave her two mites, all that she had for the glory of God. You know, it should drive us to think about the sacrifices that we make in our life, the quality of those sacrifices. I mean, there's definite things that we can point to in our life. We've followed the Lord for some time. And you know, some days in my life, I'm like Abraham. God says, pick up and go to this land that I'm going to show you. And you make that sacrifice and you go. But some days I'm like Jonah, stubbornly refusing and going in the opposite direction, not doing what I'm told to do. Normally we associate that type of behavior with teenagers as they go through times of rebellion, seeking that independence. But you know, as we get older, I think that we are more set in our ways doing what we want to do. And I want to stress, set in our ways. 
not necessarily the ways of God. If you were to really think about it, think about your life right now, if you were to stand before the Father, would you be able to say that your life is a living sacrifice where you are giving your all for the glory of God? Or are we just sacrificing peanuts to appease a holy and righteous God, expecting just a few blessings in return? See, there has to be a shift in the way that we think and approach life to where God's way is always going to be the better way. No matter what the world tells us, no matter what our experiences or our feelings tell us, God's way is always going to be the better way. And we should sacrifice our selfish desires, wants, and plans for that. Now, a warning for us as well. To sacrifice your life to God, to live for Him, earns you nothing in terms of salvation. Salvation is already done by Jesus. And we put our hope, our faith, and our trust in that. Sacrifice is about more of the, the progressive, sanctified life. This is the response that we have in our life to the grace that we have received. The inward change in our life that is dedicated to God. And you are follow the, following the leading of the Spirit to actively give up all of yourself for the sake of the kingdom. And again, it's something that is full of glory full of passion, full of fire for him. It is us aligning our wills to his. Sacrificing our own wills, wants, and desires. Jesus says in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It is a daily thing that we need to do in terms of sacrifice. But you know, many times we live our life in seasons. We go in waves. Well, we're hot for a little while, we're, we're, we're doing great, we're doing good, but then something comes and derails us and we backslide a little bit. We get complacent. We get comfortable with the security of being saved and we just coast. We don't live out this sacrifice that Paul is exhorting the believers to do, that he is appealing for them. His prayer is for them to walk in a way that is worthy of the grace that they have received. For them not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of their minds, by the renewal of the way that they're thinking. And this is the second point that I want to point out in this passage, and that is transformation. You know, it's really easy um, to view Christianity as a, a list of rules, of do's and don'ts. And Christianity can become very legalistic in a hurry. But Christianity is not about behavior modification. Instead, it is about character transformation. It's not about behaving properly and saying the right things to get your ticket into heaven. The old is gone and the new has come. We are new creations paid for, bought by the blood of Christ, justified, called his. This transformation is expressed throughout the scriptures. I think of Ezekiel chapter 36 where God says, I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, where the dead is made alive. You know, transformed. The Greek word there is metamorpho. Hopefully you can hear the word metamorphosis coming from that. 
Believers are made into new creations by the Spirit. But in our life, the flesh is desperately hanging on. The sins of the past sometimes try to come back and haunt us. They, they dig into our minds and try to drag us da- back down into the pits that we were rescued from. You know, the renewal of the mind here, it is describing the sanctifying work of the Spirit. You have that moment of crisis at salvation when we are sanctified, when we are made holy. But then you have this progression in your life where you become more like Christ, where you're accepting what he has said, where you're acting on his word, where you're surrendering our wills for his, where the Spirit is renewing our minds. It is washing it clean, and it is restoring it with the word of God. Paul says that he dies daily in 1 Corinthians 15. So the question always is, if we are new creations, why do we continue to live like we do before? You know, we are to be something that is completely different. With the Holy Spirit, we are part of the temple of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Christ lives in us. And that is transforming. You know, a Christian should look different from the world. It's not just about us listening to a Christian radio station or having a bumper sticker. I mean, you need that to get into heaven, just so you know. Sarcasm was one of those things I need to work on a little bit. (laughs) But a Christian is transformed by the Spirit to exhibit things like the fruit of the Spirit. Those are found in Galatians 5. And those things can be tough to live out when you live in stressful situations, when your circumstances around you are difficult. But we are called to do those things. We are called to be fruitful by Jesus and John 7, and, or yeah, John 15 and Matthew 7. We are called to bear fruit because that's going to show that our faith is genuine by James. But you know, if we, if we are living in the flesh and the world around us is collapsing, everything is falling apart, are we going to respond with patience? Are we going to respond with love and kindness? Probably not. But if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, if we're walking with the Spirit, then we have that opportunity to respond in love, to respond in kindness with self-control, with the Spirit guiding us, nudging us. We can diffuse situations of anger, of fear, and anxiety. But we are still being transformed. There is a process of surrender and obedience that has to happen on our parts so that we can approach those times where we can bring peace into a war zone. Joy in times of sadness. Kindness to those that are outcasts. Self-control in those moments of temptation. We do this if we are walking with and keeping in step with the Spirit who has and who is continuing to transform us. You know, as I was thinking about um, an analogy that can go with this, when we wrestle sometimes with the flesh and understanding the transformation that we have, you know, playing off of that term transformation, naturally when we think of metamorphosis, we think of a butterfly. Now, when we think of a butterfly, we have to understand that a butterfly cannot go back to being a caterpillar. It is transformed. It is a new creation. But... A butterfly could stay in the cocoon. He could choose not to fly away. 
You know, no one can make you grow. No one can make you become sanctified. That is done through the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is done through your willingness to surrender to him, to be a sacrifice, obediently moving forward in the faith to the transformation that has already happened in your life. If you are a butterfly, fly. That is your purpose. If you are saved, live for him. Live as a disciple. That is your purpose. We're going to talk a little bit more about sanctification in the coming weeks. But I want to get to the third point. The third point is the discernment of the will of God. To discern is the ability to separate or distinguish. And here, the object is the will of God. To be able to tell and understand what is the will of God. What's the will of God? That's a popular question today. It's done in so many areas of our life. We understand the will of God through the reading of his word, through our times in prayer, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, from the confirmation of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I read a, an awesome quote this week. I think I need to change the battery in this. It's not clicking. That's the one. It is hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want to hear from him. Discernment is not telling God what he is going to do. Discernment of his will is distinguishing what he said and living up to that. You know, parts of our lives, we just want the will of God to be clear. Lord, who am I going to marry? What job should I have? What am I going to eat for breakfast this morning? Don't you just wish that was clear in the Bible? So many times we face these types of questions. So many times we approach these types of questions with the answer already in our head, and we want God to just bless that, to verify our desires and our passions. Sometimes he can grant those desires, sure. But best practices say that we need to explore what the word of God says to understand what the will of God is. There are several places that I think that we need to meditate on when it comes to the will of God and what it explicitly says. It's not an exhaustive list by any means, but it's a list I think that we need to spend some time with and a good starting point for the sake of time today, these are the passages that I'm going to be pushing to next week. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, and 1 Peter 2. Again, this isn't the only places in the Bible that says that this is a part of the will of God, but these are the parts of the Bible where it says explicitly, for this is the will of God. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. When it's explicitly saying things like that, it's things that we need to pay attention to in the Bible. It is God's will for us to throw off the old and put on the new, to live holy lives as we are called holiness, to walk with the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. 
That is the basis for this next series. I'm going to continue to hit hard on that type of saying. You know, we should be striving to do what is good, what is perfect, what is pleasing to God. As we move in our life, I've found it helpful to spend my energy more on figuring out what God's will is, to discern what God's will is, and then pray for that to manifest, rather than just praying for my desires and wants. You know, because many times when something doesn't happen, we try to sway God. If only I prayed harder. If only I had more faith. If only I got more people to pray with me, then, then God would move. It's the wrong way to think, and that's damaging to our faith and our relationship to the Lord. It's not the right approach at all. Now, we can pray for our own requests. Jesus does that in the garden. But Jesus also teaches us to align ourselves with the will of God. We have to strive for God's will to be done above all things and then try our best to align ourselves with that. So we want to seek to know what that is first and then pray for it to manifest. In some ways, when we're living our Christian life, our life is going to definitely look and feel a lot like behavior modification. The do's, the don'ts, the rules. And there is some level of that in Christianity for sure. But I don't want us to get tripped up over that. You know, you have things in the Bible that talk about, you know, don't get drunk. Don't go do this. Don't go kill. The Ten Commandments. You think of those types of things that are for our benefit. But, you know, when, we walk, when we're walking with the Spirit, or when we're keeping in step with the Spirit, we are graduating above legalism to understand that it's transformation. It's not behavior modification. But, again, you might need some level of that. Because if you come from a life of drunkenness, you're going to have to put rules in your life. Like, okay, I cannot drink at all, or I cannot go to the bars. I can't put myself in those types of positions. So you make practical areas like that in your life, those types of changes. But when we think of transformation, we have to think that the Spirit is changing us through the renewal of our minds. So we pray for the Spirit to wash us clean, to make us new every day, where every day we are then dying to the selfish desires, wants, and wills that we have in our life, and we're putting on the armor of God to go out and fight for His glory to advance the kingdom. We're sacrificing our wills for the things of God. That is the plea of Paul to the Romans today. That is the plea, the exhortation that we find in the word for us as well as believers. Well, we surrendered to this teaching in order to grow in our sanctification through sacrifice. Or we keep going on with the norm. You know, every day is an opportunity for us to grow closer to the Lord in our walk. Every day, his mercies are new. So I want us to acknowledge the past times when maybe we've been down or depressed. But I don't want us to get stuck in that because today is a new day to take that step of faith in our growing process, to surrender our wills to the Spirit, pursuing what he calls us to do, to be living sacrifices, holy, transformed, discerning, the will of God. It is through that that we will make an impact on our communities, our families, and our world by the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we desire more of you. 
We desire to know what your will is. It's a question that's often on our lips. We pray for understanding. We pray for counsel. But Lord, I pray that you would give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see. That we wouldn't be blinded by our own desires, our own passions, our own lusts of this world. But we would throw those things off, putting on your righteousness, living wholeheartedly for you as living sacrifices to bring you glory above all things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.